anyway, let me just tell you, we're so excited uh, to have a guest with us today. This guy is all the way, I cannot say it the way he says it. When he says it, it sounds really cool. I say it Nicaragua. He says a Nicaragua. And uh, so he, when he, uh, we are down to Nicaragua. But he brought with him his great friend Moses. And so Moses is with us. I can say that one really well. Moses is here. And uh, Pastor Eric's parents are here with us as well. I, I, are they still in the service? Are you with me? Wave your hand. There we go. Okay. Yeah, I've got the headlights here. So it's wonderful. Eric probably experienced that and thought, what's the name of that truck? Um, Will and Jill are with us as, as well. And Will is the guy when Mal and Justin got married. Will is the guy that spoke. In the beginning, when I walked Mal down the aisle, just a great man of God and a wonderful wife and family. And so we're just very thrilled that everybody's here. You're here. Jesus is here. This is going to be a good day. Uh, some of you, if you were here in first service, uh, Pastor brought a, a wonderful word. You're, you're at the right place at the right time. You ever have those things where you're like, man, I, this is one day I'm glad I'm here. You're going to be glad you're here. God is doing some incredible things. And uh, after service, let me give you just a couple quick announcements, and then I'm going to let Pastor do what he needs to do. And the four of you are going to see uh, tables out there for small groups. Last week on, uh, I was going to say Memorial, but it's Labor Day weekend. Last weekend. Uh, we tried giving you a piece of paper. We weren't really thinking about the holiday weekend to say sign up and da 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 da. Some of you did. Not a lot of you did. And, and we found out that most of you, even though uh, we thought this would be easier for you, like the interaction with the actual small group leader out in the hallway with their table. And we're cool with that. That's good. So they're going to be out there after service today, and you can sign up. I know some of them are even bribing you with food. So, you know, go out there and talk to them for a while and sample their food. Don't tell them what you're doing yet until you, you know, think that's all good. But anyway, go out there. If you're a student, you're going to be with me. And uh, so I'm stoked about that. And so sign up out there. Make sure you have a, a way I can contact you. All right. And then I, we're going to figure out how, you know, how often, where we're going to meet and what's going to be happening. So anyway, that's after service. Grow track. Step two is in the room to my left, to your right. Brunch and child care is provided. And of course, that's free. So if you want to find out more about TLC, that is going to be available after second service. There's going to be ministry time here after uh, as the service is at the end. And, and so we're excited about that as well. So, you know, if, you, if you're in the service and you want to stay and continue to pray and do all the things that you do uh, to help us, we would love to, you to do that. And if you're like, oh, man, I just I'm so stoked. But you don't need that. Then um, as they're ministering up here, we're just going to ask you just to kind of, you know, be out there with the small group and all that stuff just so that we can just really minister to those that are in here. Can we do that? Are you ready? Now, I'm telling you, this guy, have you ever met somebody that you just wish like it seems like you've known each other for a long time? Now, see, he may not have the same opinion, but I did. I do like him. He, you know, and uh, so I went I heard him speak. And and I just I really connected with him. He's got a great heart for the Lord. He he loves to see people uh, saved, and and he's got a great heart for ministry. And so I, I connected with him, and actually is Justin uh, is friends with him. And I you know I'm friends with Justin because he married my daughter. So you know how that goes. And yeah, <laughs> better be <laughs> Justin. Where you at? <laughs> he's he's sinking down in his seat. <laughs> Please don't talk to me. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to, you know, I, he really spoke highly of this past. So I, I, you know, and Mal was there. I wanted to make sure that I could go and support JD and, and go do that. And I really, really love this guy. And we got to connect. And I, you know, I feel like I've known him 10 years and, and I've probably known him 10 months, you know, literally. And it's not like we talk to each other, you know, all the time. We, we talk that time and 
and we've communicated a little through Jill. Um, and so we're, I'm, I'm good with that because I understand busyness, but I mean, I really just felt good about having him come and I prayed about it and she can tell you and he can tell you, I, cause I don't do that by just like, Oh, okay. Um, I, you know, I prayed about it and the Lord, I really felt, and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, I just, uh, I'm glad the Lord had him come. You're going to enjoy this. Uh, this is Eric Ferguson from Nicaragua, uh, pastor and, and, uh, Moses is here with him, but we just love him. Would you give a standing ovation to pastor Eric, please? Thank you guys. You can be seated and yes, pastor, the feelings are mutual. Uh, I really appreciate you and a little bit I've got to know you so far. I've enjoyed our friendship for the last, wasn't really 10 months because we connected back then, but recently in the last couple months we've actually chatted back and forth and stuff. It's good to be in the house. So as you said, my parents are here. They drove in to surprise me from Pittsburgh, Dodge Nation, Steeler Nation, Pittsburgh. You know where that is, right? <laughs> they drove in. <laughs> yes. How much did I have to pay you for that? <laughs> So they drove in. Will is our one of our board members. He's here. Jill actually runs our office from Finley, Ohio. And then we got the Schaefers here with us from Finley. We got some single guys in the back who came looking for girlfriends from Finley. They are back there too. So ladies, um, forget eHarmony. I can help you out here if you guys want to connect. Just real quick, we uh, have a product table in the back. I've written six books, five of which are here with us. We started a coffee company in 2003. 100% of those proceeds go back into our children's programs. There's our T-shirts and stuff back there. Does anybody in here consider themselves a leader? Raise your hand. All right. Did you get that already? Okay. <laughs> anybody like to pray and fast? Anybody have a desire to pray and fast or doesn't pray and fast? I got a book for you. Sorry, I'll get you one too. This is the first hand that went up. You pass this out, Jill. So if you see the products on the, on the back table, we'll have somebody working there. I think actually the cross kids are back there. Uh, I think the way they have it worked out is they get 20% of their pocket and the rest goes back into the, the till. But all those proceeds go back into what we do in Nicaragua. We have over 3,000 kids that we feed a week in our feeding centers. We have a children's home. We have a widow's home. Uh, we distribute wheelchairs. We have medical crusades. We do pastor's conferences. We plant churches. How am I missing? We build houses for the poor. What else do we do? I should have Pastor Moses come up and talk. He's, he's actually our national director in Nicaragua. In October of last year, we appointed him as our national director for our ministry in Nicaragua because I told some of you I'd be able to get some for more as the president of the organization, not after all the administration stuff. So he's a tremendous man of God, tremendous blessing to me. But I'm here today to preach the gospel message. Is that okay? I've had two people that said yes. Wow, I'm just going to uh, sit down now. We'll have Pastor Moses. Gonna and it, it, he likes the way I say Nicaragua because, you know, in Nicaragua I speak French. And so when I say, only one person got that. And so this is Pastor Moises. It's not Moses. Can you guys say that with me? Moises. One more time. Thank you, Jill. No, no, I want to say it friendlier. Moises. <laughs> it's all good. Can we pray to get started? I don't want to be too sarcastic. I'm from Pittsburgh. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for this opportunity. And Lord, really, we thank you for the opportunity. We can actually have fun together as a body of Christ, as believers, that we don't have to be stuffy, but we can actually enjoy one another, laugh together. Lord, I believe that's what the team is about, is fellowship, community, enjoying one another, encouraging one another in our faith. 
And Lord, we thank you for that opportunity today that we have to worship you, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We thank you that you truly are the, the great I am. And Lord, we want to lift up your name today. We want to glorify you and all that we do would bring glory and honor to your name. And Lord, I also want to lift each person that's here today up to you. And I ask that you work in each one of our hearts. Lord, there's people that have come with burdens today, that you'll take those burdens away. There's people that have come with needs, that you'll meet those needs. Lord, there's physical ailments and sicknesses represented here today. And Lord, we ask you to bring healing to bodies, bring healing to minds, bring healing to homes. Lord, that your word will go forth today and not return void. Lord, we submit to you and give you the rightful place of authority that you deserve in our lives. Lord, let the word go forth and let it plant seeds that will grow to fruition. Let us be sensitive to receive from you. And there's somebody here that has ulcers. We just see that God's healing ulcers today. If you have ulcers, just go ahead and receive that healing. There's also, I see cysts. I believe that's what it looks like, the cysts being healed. There's somebody with skin issues. I don't know if it's cancer or precancerous, but God's healing. There's particular parts on your skin, on your body that God's healing right now. Lord, let your healing virtue be manifested. Your kingdom come, your will be done. That's what we desire, Lord. Nothing more and nothing less than your perfect will. We thank you for the testimonies we're going to hear. Lord, this is your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Usually when I speak somewhere, I get the opportunity, even though I live in Nicaragua, we lived there for the last 14 and a half years, I get the opportunity to travel and minister a lot outside of Nicaragua. And when I go to churches that have two, three, four services on a Sunday, I really like to change up and do a different sermon. But uh, I really just feel that God has given me a message for this season, whether it's a season of my life, whether it's a season for the church's life. I just believe that there's seasons for particular messages. And this is the season for this message. I'm going to share the same message that I did in the first service. And it's interesting because something as I travel more and more, I, I understand and seeing more and more, you know, I could be a pastor, you could be a pastor, you could preach from a particular passage of Scripture, and it could be a great message, but you receive from a pastoral anointing. You can have an evangelist comes that preaches the same passage of Scripture, but he looks at the word completely different, and as a priest, you see things you didn't see because it's the evangelist anointing coming out. It's the office of evangelist. You can have a prophet come that's preached exactly the same passage of Scripture, but the way he presents it and the information that goes along is completely different because it's from the prophetic mantle. You can have an apostle come and do the same thing, and it, and it changes. And that's one of the things I really love about the kingdom of God is how you know God has established a fivefold ministry. And you know we could see some of the television, receive something here, something from another preacher over here, and it's like, man, I, I've heard this scripture fifteen times, and I'm seeing something different. And I just think it's so neat how God does that and ties things together and brings people together to open up our eyes so we can receive more of what He has for us. Because there's so much here in the Bible. I don't know if you guys realize it, but I mean, if you have a one-year Bible and you read through the Bible every year, if you're like me, it's like, geez, I read this every year for the last how many years, and I've never seen this passage of Scripture, and all of a sudden it's like, I need to be hearing it today. And that's just how God is. So let's open up our hearts today. I'm going to share a message with you that actually was generated why a couple of weeks ago we were sitting in a service in Nicaragua, and our senior pastor was preaching. And in the beginning of the message, he begins to talk about how he got out of bed, brushed his teeth, washed his face, went to the bathroom. And as he's doing these things... 
He said, man, I'm going through habits. I go through these habits every single day. And he goes, I don't want to live my life as a habit. I don't want to do things every day the same way and have no expectation to just go through habits. And when he said that about no expectation, just this like, I want to say brick hit me, but it wasn't really a brick, maybe a two by four. Something hit me. And I'm like, hmm. It was a click in my spirit. And then the rest of the time, I was on my iPad, instead of listening to him preach, don't tell him I was saying this, but instead of listening to the sermon, that's all that I got was, I don't want to live a life without expectation, and that was it. I just focused on what I was writing. Because it's so true, we have these routines. I mean, if you're like me, okay, you get out of bed, I sleep on the same side of the bed every day because my wife likes that side of the bed. And I get out, and some days, if you're like me, every once in a while you get out, and you're like, whoa, what happened here? It's kind of like, you know, got up too fast or whatever, and I live in the same house for nine years, and I still walk across the bedroom, and even though it's 4 o'clock in the morning, it's black, even though I've walked the same route for the last nine years, I still stick my hand out just to make sure I'm not hitting a wall as I'm going through the bathroom door. Anybody ever been there? Okay. I turn on the same lights in the bathroom. I do the same routine. That's how we do it. Many of us go have the same bowl of raw oats. That's our goose yogurt and our blueberries and our almonds. I, I just gave you my breakfast today. We go through the same thing. But unfortunately, a lot of times it expands beyond just our routine in the mornings, but our routine at work. And we go through the same thing. We greet the same people, push the same button on the elevator, go to the same desk, grab the same coffee, the same donut. We sit down, 10, 15, same time break, and we go through the same routine. But let's take it one step further. Many of us have the same thing. We go to church. It's Sunday morning. People in the States don't iron clothes anymore. They used to. But before, what we used to do is get the night before, iron his best. Kids got the Sunday best out. We're ready to go to church. We have our routine. We get the kids loaded up in the minivan. We got a soccer game at 1 o'clock after church, and we go through the routine. We come to church. We raise our hands. We do the normal thing, and we leave. And unfortunately for many people around the world, church is routine. It's a habit. It's something we come to. And so we come to church. We sit in the same pew because we're creatures of habit. We usually say the same thing. Hey, how are you doing? Good, John. Good to see you. How are the kids? Good. How's the wife? Great. Okay. And that's our conversation. So we have no expectation. We come to church without any expectation. But could it be that we could go through our life with expectation? Could you imagine how our church services would change if we actually had expectation? The disciples left everything they had to begin to follow this man, Jesus. They left their careers, they left their families, they begin to follow Jesus. And in the three years that Jesus spent with the disciples ministering, they begin to see incredible things take place. Jesus is over here and he's mixing mud together with spit and all this stuff and he puts it in the eyes and the guy's eyes open. They walk down here and there's this paralytic and Jesus prays for him and the man gets up, takes his walk. Another passage, they lower a man through the roof and Jesus is ministering and you know he says your sins are forgiven. He takes his mat and goes home. This person dies, he goes, prays for them, they're raised from the grave. They're out in a storm and a lake, and all of a sudden, here comes Jesus, he's walking across the lake. And so they're seeing all these incredible things take place. And in their conversations, Jesus begins to tell them, hey, you know what? In John chapter, I think it's 14, he says, you can do greater signs than this. And he begins to talk to them about the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, one day the Comforter is going to come. One day the promised gift of the Father, the Holy Spirit is going to come. So in their mind, even though they're walking with Jesus, seeing all these things, they have, okay, he said we're going to do greater things. Okay, um, wow, we're going to have the Holy Spirit, this promised gift. And all of a sudden, they capture Jesus, as we know the story, capture Jesus, torture Jesus, hang him on a cross, he dies, he dies, stick him in a grave. Three days later, he raises from the grave, and he begins to appear to different people. 
And on one occasion in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, which we're going to read, he appears to the disciples and actually sits down to have dinner with them. Now explain to me how Jesus can sit and eat after he's blessed another. I'll let you deal with those theological questions. But it says in chapter 1, verse 4, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now we know from the passages of Scripture, we know from church history, that the disciples went to Jerusalem. Now if Jesus told you to go to Jerusalem, how many of you would go to Jerusalem? If Jesus told you to minister to your neighbor, how many of you would go to your neighbor? Don't raise your hand. You'd go to Jerusalem, but you wouldn't minister to your neighbor. How does that work, Pastor? So think about this. Jesus said, I want you to go to Jerusalem. They're like, okay, we'll go to Jerusalem and wait. But they also begin to remember what Jesus said about the promised gift. He reminds them, and they remember that they could do greater things. So when they get to Jerusalem, it's one thing to do what Jesus says, but listen to this. There was such an expectation that they begin to pray and fast for 10 days, waiting for this promised gift of the Father. You see, they remember what Jesus says, so they had this expectation. Jesus didn't say go pray and fast. He didn't say go pray for the promised gift. He just said go and wait for the promised gift. But they had such this expectation that something was going to happen that they literally dedicated themselves to 10 days to prayer and fasting. That's quite expectation. Think about our own lives. We had this conversation in the first, the first service. We couldn't figure out who would be somebody that excites you. But we could have Rod Parsley come. We could have Bill Johnson come. We could have T.D. Jakes come. We could have somebody that you really like. And you know that something's going to happen in this service. And so we say, you know what? We're privileged that they were ministering in this church down the road, but they are going to come spend Sunday night with us. And so we're going to have Bill Johnson, T.D. Jakes, all of them here at the same time, just because we can't fit all your lives at one time. You are going to come with an expectation that something's going to take place. I mean, this is the guy we've seen on TV. These are his books we read. This is, and so you come to church with this incredible expectation because your favorite preachers are here. And you are sitting on the edge of your seat. I guarantee you're not sitting in your seat of habit. You're as close to the front as you can be because you want them to spit on you so that anointing gets you. I mean, you're going to do something to get up front because if you're up front, you usually get a better word. And so you're going to be plastered with this expectation that something's going to happen. Correct or incorrect? I mean, because this is what happens. We drive to go see these people. They're in Maryland. Maryland's only eight hours away. Let's get in the car, huh? And so we drive. And the whole time we're there, we're listening to their tapes. We've already heard it 15 times, but we're still listening to the tapes because we're going to hear them in a minute when we get there. And so we come with this expectation. And guess what happens when we have an expectation like that? We usually have an experience. Because we're so excited, there's such an expectation, our faith level is so high that we're waiting. I mean, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Oh, he looked at me. Something happened. So why don't we have the same expectation on Sunday morning when we come to church here? Your pastor's a good communicator. He's got a good message. Why is it we don't have that same expectation? We don't put on our Sunday's best when there's not a guest speaker. And we eat a Pop-Tart on the way instead of having a nice sit-down breakfast. Get to church, sit in the same spot, raise your hands for the same amount of time, give the same amount of offering every time, and read your pipe down. What would happen in our lives if we came to church on Sunday with the same expectation that there was a guest speaker that came? I guarantee you things would begin to happen in church. Things would begin to change. The whole atmosphere of the congregation would begin to change. The whole atmosphere of worship would begin to change. 
let's take it one step further. What would happen in our lives if we had expectations going to work, walking down the street, in the bus? Take a big bus with you, say hi, Jean. In the bus, at the soccer game, out the restaurant. Our normal day-to-day lives, we have habits, we have routines, but we have the idea, the mentalidad, the mindset thank you Lord get rid of things Lord right thank you mindset is expectation that when we get up in the morning we're gonna get up stumble to the bathroom brush our teeth wash our face hopefully have a cup of joy bean coffee because it's best coffee in the California table just try it afterwards and we have this and it's part of our habit it's part of our routine but once we leave the house we start saying okay God I believe what your word says that you want to use me that we're supposed to preach the gospel, that we can flow in signs and wonders, that we're going to see the dead raised, we're going to see the sick healed, that we can flow prophetically and minister to people. And we walk with this expectation that something's going to happen and that God's going to use us. Think about how our day-to-day activities begin to change. We're not just sitting at the coffee or in, in the coffee break area, having our cup of coffee, eating our donut, but everybody that walks in has the potential to be ministered to. It becomes this whole target for us. And we're on the, the grocery line and we're in the Walmart buying all this unnecessary stuff that we buy in the United States of America, and we're in this line, and there's people all around us. We have an opportunity to begin to minister to these people. Why not? It's the same Holy Spirit that lives in us that works in the lives of the disciples. Could you imagine how our lives would begin to change if we walked with this expectation? And see, many times our expectations hinder our experience. Well, at the same time, many times our expectation helps us to have a more positive choice. If I were to talk, like I said, in the first service, I said, you know, I told you to remember your faith in God. You know, there's something from that, right? Furman. I said to Furman, I'm going to say a few times to remember your name. You're going to have this. I'm going to take you to Ruth Chris's Steakhouse. You guys ever hear Ruth Chris's? Have Ruth Chris's around here? No, but you've heard of it? There's no Ruth Chris's here, but they've heard of it. So that tells you pretty much about it. Yeah, he's like steak salivating over here. So I say, we're going to go to Ruth Chris's Steakhouse on Wednesday. Today's Sunday, but Wednesday after work, I'm taking you. Pastor Brett said he wanted to go too, so I got to take him. Be nice. And so we're going to go. And I say, I'm going to let you buy whatever the biggest steak on the menu is, 48-ounce steak. You can eat it and have a heart attack, and you can eat it and enjoy it. I'll pray for you. And so what he does is he has this expectation. Man, it's Sunday. Monday, he's getting up thinking about, oh, God, Wednesday we're going to Ruth Chris's. And so he goes to McDonald's to get lunch. You know, he's like, oh, eggs, too big, too big, no crispy. And so Tuesday comes, and he's like, cool, Tuesday, one more day. Wednesday gets up, he doesn't eat breakfast, doesn't eat lunch, because he knows he's going to have a 48-ounce steak at Ruth Chris's. He has this expectation. So all week he has this excitement saying, man, Ruth Chris's, this is cool, we're going to go there. And when they bring out the steak, even if it's not perfect, there's such an expectation in the fact that it's Ruth Chris's that he enjoys it. He has an incredible experience. And see, this is what happened with the disciples. Acts chapter 1 says they went and began to pray and fast. They went to Jerusalem. But Acts chapter 2 tells us this. If you turn with me, Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were seated. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
So they have this expectation to go pray and fast, waiting for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And because they have such an expectation, all of a sudden they begin to have this experience. And so for them, what was the experience? Mighty rushing wind comes through, cloven tongues of fire falls upon them. They begin to speak in other tongues. They had an incredible experience. But see, anytime we have an experience, there's something else that begins to happen. First, we have the expectation. Then we have this experience. But then the next thing that begins to happen is we have an expression out of our experience. The disciples didn't just sit there in the upper room and say, wow, we got the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. This is great. And they begin to talk among themselves. What happened? They got filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak in other tongues. If we continue to read in the text, they went down into the streets, the highways and the byways, and they begin to preach the gospel message. They were still speaking in tongues. People say, man, these guys are drunk. They're talking in different languages. And they say, no, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And they begin to preach the gospel message, talking about the experience they just had. They're expressing what's taking place. And guess what happens next? It says that thousands were saved. At one point it says 3,000 were saved and baptized in one day. You see, out of our experience comes an expression. How many of you in here are saved? How many of you aren't saved? Come on, big hands. How many of you, when you got saved, never told anybody about your experience? How many of you have shared your experience of salvation with other people? How many of you have ever received a prophetic word? How many of you have hidden that prophetic word and never shared it with anyone? One person? Two of them even know it? Wow. How many of you shared the prophetic word you received? How many of you have ever been healed? How many of you have shared with other people about your healing? How many hate raising your hands when the pastor says, how many? <laughs> That's just your exercise for this morning. So think about that. You have an experience. And because you experience something, you begin to make an expression. You begin to express what takes place. And that's exactly what happened in the passage of Scripture. The disciples went into the streets. They had such a powerful experience. They begin to share with others about it. We have these pastor conferences in, in Nicaragua. We do once a month where we bring in pastors from different denominations. We've discovered that most pastors, even if they're with a denomination, aren't really being taught. They're not being ministered to on a personal level. If they go to their meetings to the denominations, it's usually more of a, a bureaucracy is the word, bureaucratic meeting. There's more formalities. They're not really being ministered to. So we desire to minister to pastors. So we bring in 100 to 150 pastors every month. We do this conference where we pray for them, minister to them, give them resources, help them start feeding centers, give them food for their feeding centers. We go visit the churches each week and we want to invest in these pastors' lives. But there's different denominations. You've got Pentecostal denominations and mainline denominations, Baptists, there's Mennonite. we got a whole different slew of, of different denominations and representations. And because some of them are mainline conservative denominations, they don't necessarily believe in the gift of the Spirit the way that we believe in the gift of the Spirit. But they are receiving, and so they receive and grow, and that they know there's something real, but they're still not their doctrine. You guys follow me? Not offending anybody. I'm okay, right? Okay. So we also bring, have, we have prophetic conferences. We bring apostles from Brazil and Argentina to come minister. And we bring a, a prophet in from the States. His name is Dennis Kramer. He lives in, I think, western part of Pennsylvania. So we've brought him in two or three times now. And, and we do prophetic conferences. We do Saturday where he teaches all day in the prophetic and how to understand and hear God's voice. And then Sunday, he ministers in our three services. And so I invite our pastors from our pastors' conference to come to this prophetic teaching. 
And so we reserve a section about this size for our pastors. And the sanctuary is like 2,400 seats in the sanctuary. So Dennis doesn't realize who's who, and, you know, except for our staff in the front. But other than that, he has no idea who's who. And so we invite these pastors, and they've heard from other pastors what has happened. And so they're a little leery at first because, like, well, what do you mean prophet? There's no prophet. There's the Old Testament. But they've heard from other people what has taken place. And so they come to these conferences, and they have an expectation because somebody shared their experience with them. And so even though they don't necessarily believe the same, they have an expectation that something's going to happen. And so Pastor or Prophet Kramer, the way that he ministers is Sunday, he doesn't teach, he doesn't teach. He'll share a couple of passages of scripture, and then he comes down onto the platform, off the platform, and just literally begins to minister for an hour, hour and 15 minutes, just calling people out, boom, boom, boom. That's all he does. And so think about this. Here's these mainline denomination conservative pastors that aren't familiar with the gift of the spirit, aren't familiar with prophecy, and Pastor Prophet Kramer comes and begins to prophesy over them. You see, they had an expectation that something's going to happen. And all of a sudden, he begins to prophesy over them. A guy that's never received the word, doesn't necessarily believe in the prophetic, is receiving a prophetic word that's totally rocking his life because he's saying, how does this guy know all this stuff about me? And this is what happens. This is what happens. Because they had expectation they received. They had an experience. And when they receive an experience, they go back to their denomination. They go back to their churches and begin to express what took place. Even though they don't necessarily understand all of it, they go back and begin to share and express what happened. But see, out of that expression comes something. There becomes a thirst and a hunger in this person out of this experience. And the fact that they're sharing what happened, they have a desire to educate themselves about it. And so we have, number one, expectation. Number two, we have experience. Number three, we have expression. And now we have education. Because what happens now is this guy is not familiar. He's grown up in a, in a seminary and theological understanding that's completely different, but he realizes there's something real because this guy just read my mail. And so this guy begins to come to us saying, hey, Pastor Moses, Pastor Eric, I'm not familiar with this. Can you help me out? So we have the opportunity to begin to teach them more in the gift of the Holy Spirit and working the Holy Spirit. And then we direct them to different resources to read. Now all of a sudden they're reading all about this and understanding from a different perspective. And now guess what happens? Because they're reading and learning more, they begin to express what they were learning and reading. And so now they're in with their mainline denominations and they're sharing, man, I don't know what's going on here, but I want to share something. This happened to me. This happened to me. I saw, you know, I know John. I know what he's going through. And this guy came and said, this happened, this happened, this happened, this is going to happen. He's like, I don't know. This guy's from Pennsylvania. He, he doesn't speak Spanish, but Moses just translated and dude, he told him exactly what's going on in his life. And because they said, we don't understand this, we're going to learn more, we're going to study more. And because all of a sudden there's this revelation going off, they go back to their friends saying, dude, I don't understand, but look what I've been reading, look what I've been studying. Guess what happens in their life? They begin to have an experience. It's like, wow. So all of a sudden, because of this experience and expression, all of a sudden they're now having an experience. Now guess what happens? They now have an expectation. And they're like, well, if that happened to him, it happened to me, something's going on. And so now they have an expectation. All of a sudden, they start experiencing, guess what happens now? Now all of a sudden, they're telling people about what they experienced. And all of a sudden, they're saying, we need to learn more about this. Hey, there's a conference over here. Let's go to that conference. Hey, there's this guy on the Internet. We need to read more from this and him here. Hey, there's these books here and resources we need. And then you see this cycle that just begins to happen in their lives. But see, it all happens in the beginning with a expectation. And so many times what we do is we lose that expectation. We've been hurt, we've been disappointed, we've gone through trials, we've been divorced, we're addicted on drugs, we lost our job, we had trouble paying rent, and we can go on a list and list and list goes on. 
And see, we used to be people of expectation. We used to walk in faith, but because of the trials and the different circumstances of life, we've lost that expectation. And so we've seen people get healed at the altar. We've seen people walk forward and be ministered to. Our friends have gotten prophetic words, and we've never gotten a prophetic word. And, you know, our neighbor got healed, but we've been sick for seven years, and we haven't been healed. And all of a sudden, we lose that expectation. So we come to church. Yeah, we come to church. We love Jesus, but we're not having that expectation that something could actually happen in our own lives. We believe it for other people. But for our own lives, a lot of times we lose that expectation because of different things that are happening in our life. You know, I was sharing in the first service that we go out and we distribute wheelchairs. And that's one of the incredible things. And it's such a great ministry for us to, eight years ago, I think it was, I partnered with, uh, I got in contact with Free Wheelchair Mission, which is an organization out of California. And this guy, Don, was in India. He's an engineer doing business in India. And he saw all these people crawling across the ground. And he talked to somebody about, well, why aren't there people in wheelchairs? And he said, we can't afford wheelchairs. So this engineer actually went back and designed this wheelchair with mountain tires, uh, tires on it with a very simple seat that looked like a lawn chair seat. And he developed this concept. So they send wheelchairs all around the world to nations that have great need. And then they developed the next generation, which is actually more of a wheelchair looking with like for people with like feet on palsy and paralytic who holds you in. There's different sizes and stuff. But there's 600,000 people in Nicaragua that need wheelchairs. And so we've been working as hard as we can to different reach these people. We've distributed 9,300 and some wheelchairs. We finished the year with 9,682, right? 82 wheelchairs we have distributed. But what it does is it gets us into people's lives. You know, we go to these little villages in the middle of nowhere with a wheelchair where somebody's never in the last eight years hasn't left the house, and we're taking a wheelchair to them. The whole family's involved. And not only the whole family, when we're ministering to these people and making a ruckus to welcome with our team to lay hands on people, all of a sudden all the neighbors start coming in. And so it's an incredible evangelistic tool for us to literally get into the community. And so this is one of the things we do on a normal basis. And, you know, I schedule on my, on my calendar. I've got so many different activities, but I always want to go out and minister to people when our team goes out. And so I schedule certain days where I'm out in the field, you know, going to distribute wheelchairs, going out to the feeding centers. Because to me, that's that's... I love preaching, I love traveling, but, you know, that's real life. You're in the lives of people that you're preaching to people, and it keeps me focused on what we're doing. And so I realized a couple of weeks ago, and I was sharing this with Moses, and I shared it in the first service, we're taking wheelchairs out, I'm just taking wheelchairs out. It's like, okay, today's my day to go distribute wheelchairs with the team. we got everybody loaded up, you know, 10 of us going out, got the van, got the, the, uh, the pickup truck loaded up, and we're going out, and we're giving out wheelchairs, and all of a sudden it dawned on me. I'm just kind of going through the routine. I mean, I've become so used to giving a plate of food to some little kid and giving a wheelchair to somebody. And, you know, we still believe in miracles. We still pray for, you know, everybody to be healed, even though we're giving a wheelchair. And it dawned on me saying, man, this isn't right. Because before we're like, you know, I'm all fired up, excited. I'm going to get in the lives of these people. We're going to preach. We're going to stand on the streets, see all these people around us. And we're going to lay hands on everybody we can. And I'm just like, okay, here's another wheelchair. Let's pray. Let's do our job. Go to the next one. And it dawned on me like, whoa, what happened here? And I talked to God about it. I said, man, I don't ever want this to happen. You know, I want to have expectation. Every time I minister, every time we go somewhere, everybody I meet, I want to have this expectation that something's going to happen. And it was, a, it was a wake-up call for me because even as ministers, that our lives are giving out and our lives are ministering, we have a tendency of some people just have it. You know, it sounds odd maybe for you who have never been on a mission field or never, you know, in that capacity. In many senses, that's my job. I mean, I'm a missionary. I live on the field. This is what I do. 
And so like anybody that has a, you know, a regular job that you work on a regular basis, you, it just has a, a tendency to become a routine in your life. And so I really took it to the Lord saying, Lord, I don't want anything I ever do, especially when it's ministering like that, just to become a habit and routine. And I think that's what happens so many times in our lives is it's just a habit of routine. We go to our job, pay the bills, do this, go to the soccer game, go to the kids' football game, watch this on TV, have the same meatloaf every Tuesday night, and we do this, same time shower, same time bed, and it just becomes this routine, monotony. Anybody know what I'm saying? Anybody ever been there in their lives? Yeah. And so unfortunately, as I was saying, that carries over into our church life as well. We don't really have any routines. We love our pastors. They're great people. We love good worship, great worship, good preaching. But we don't really have an expectation of some point in our life. And let's face it, let's be real. I mean, we're, we're pastoring a church, too, where we're pushing these little sub churches in our network now. And it's the same thing that happens in Nicaragua. Same thing that happens if you go to Uruguay a lot. We just get caught up. Everybody gets caught up in routine. And the only time we really have this expectation when there's a special service or somebody coming to sing a hymn, then we're fired up about it. But see, I don't believe that's the way that God has us. I believe he wants us to walk in expectation. He wants us to walk in faith. And I think that all around us every day, there's miracles waiting to happen. I think that every day we come in contact with people, even if they're believers, they need a touch of God in their lives. They need an impartation. They need an encouraging word. They need something to happen. And see, God wants to use us. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel message to every creature. That means all around the world. It doesn't mean, okay, we think of that as, okay, I need to go to you know, a country in Africa. I need to go to a country in Asia. I need to go to a country in South and Latin America. And that's what we're thinking, go into all the world. Well, didn't they first meet Ruth and, and then Samaria, then Judea? They went first to the people around them. There's a harvest field around us. I was reading a book not too long ago. It's called 88 Lost Sheep. And they say that 88% of America is now a lost, not saving nation. Okay, we used to be a Christian nation. We used to be 60, 70% of the United States were once Catholic and Mormon, everything together and with their statistics. But evangelical, you're talking, what, 50% of the nation used to be in evangelical? And they say that 88% is now not serving God. Do you know that statistically speaking, the average churchgoer in the United States says they're a dedicated Christian believer and only goes to church once a month? How do we change a society when our sold-out, on-fire believers are only being fed in church on Sundays once a month? We've got to change that. But I think part of it goes back to we don't have an expectation. We come to church, we sit there, we don't really feel any different, so we leave. We've lost the expectation. Say, so, man, Sunday, I'm going to learn, I'm going to receive, I'm going to be imparted, and I'm going to get filled up, and I'm going to go out and minister to those around me. I'm going to go to the restaurant. Here's what I shared in the, in the first service. What time are we supposed to be finishing this service? At 3. Okay, I, I can go there. Let me get my iPad, man. I got some notes. wants to give me a real answer on that. 12, 11, 15? Okay. Jim Gordon? No, I'm good. So I was saying in the first service, okay, let's start having an expectation that God's going to use us. 
How many of you are going to go out to eat after church today? And let's be honest, you don't have to hide it. Raise your hands high. Listen to me loud and raise your hands. Okay, so we've got 40% of the congregation. 40% of the congregation is going to go out to eat. And here's the interesting thing. On Sunday morning in Marion, Ohio, probably at least 30 to 40% of all restaurants are going to be filled with Christians leaving church. Now think about that. Only the Christians are seated. We're allowed to eat. It's the sin we're allowed to partake of. And so we're going to go out to eat. And so there's a number of you, 40% of you, raise your hands and say you're going out to eat. I shared this in the first service. When we sit down, we ask the waitress, hey, we're going to bless this food. We're going to pray for our food. Can we, can we pray for anything at first? Only once have I ever had one person say, absolutely not, I don't want your food. One person out of the years that I've been doing this, I mean, Nathan has been one person. And usually what happens is they say, yeah, why? Will you pray for my mom? Hey, will you pray for this person? Will you pray for my neighbor? Can you pray for Most of them don't even focus on that part. Most of them have somebody else. And they're like, yeah, absolutely, we'll pray for that. And, you know, and then we say, well, what about you? Is there anything particular I can pray about you? And, I mean, Moses can tell you there's times when he just dropped the heads for a sign. And then we say, well, do you mind if I place my hand on you? And so we place our hand and, and begin to pray. Are you just speaking in Three weeks ago, I was somewhere in Ohio ministering, and we were sitting with a, one of my board members, and I was sitting with the pastors there, and I was messing with my board member, just totally caught him off guard. I went, okay, what's the word today? He's like, what? And I'm like, I'm putting you on the spot. There's new pastors. We don't know these pastors. What's the word for? And he's like, looking at me. The pastor's looking at him, looking at me. I go, it's a youth baptism. He goes, what? And so God gave me a word for the, the waitress while I was giving him a hard time. I could see what he was saying. So I went over to the waitress, and we're in the whatever restaurant we're at, with Bob Evans. That's where we're meeting at breakfast. With Bob Evans. So I go over and say, do you know, I remember her name, Terry or something like that. I said, you know, this might sound odd to you. I said, when you came over, as soon as you started serving us, God showed, I felt, and he said, what? I said, I just seen this. I felt this. Blah, 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 blah. And she's like staring at me with these huge eyes. She's like, sir? That's like right on. I go, okay. I just want to, she's like looking at me. I go, well, you know, you know, Jesus brought us here for a reason, didn't he? I said, we could have gone to any other restaurant, but there's a reason we're here, and there's a reason we're sitting in this section. About now, all the other waitresses are like coming around to see what's going on. I'm like, can I pray for you? Would you be uncomfortable if I could put my hand on you? I'm like, can I put my hand on your shoulder and pray for you? And the, the guys we were with were behind, so I didn't think they'd say anything to me. I mean, they are like, so I put my hands on her and I started praying. And I, I had some other stuff going. She's like, why? Why? I'm like, well, I just, you know, it's just God sending us love to you and reminds you that you're one of his children. She goes, it's just a good part. What I'm saying is it doesn't have to be a ministry established to do that. It's us every day in the day-to-day -day life is an expectation that God wants to use us. You're going to go out to eat right now and you're going to have a waitress or waiter standing in front of you. And you're going to be thinking about what I just said about asking you to pray for us. And so now you're going to have a decision to make. We're going to take that step of faith, step out of our comfort zone and say, you know what? I'm going to have an expectation that God's going to use me today to at least plant a seed in this person's heart. You know, everybody wants a blessing. Even if you don't have a specific prophetic word, you come up to somebody, you don't have to have a prophetic word for them. Maybe God will give them a word. But who doesn't want to be blessed? Lord, pray for my, touch my brother, strengthen him. I don't know what he's going through. You do. But you know what? Strengthen him. Help him to walk in good standing. Give him the strength he needs to overcome. 
Let him feel your love. You might not have felt your love before, but Lord, let him feel your love today. Let him feel your spirit today. Let him know that he's walking in your power and he can do it, not in his own strength, but in your strength. Who doesn't want to receive that? And, you know, we complicate it. We're like, man, I'm not a prophet. I don't hear from God. Okay, just pray. Bless the person. Who doesn't want to receive a blessing? But it all starts back to what we're talking about, expectation. If we begin to walk our lives and live our lives with the expectation that God's going to do something, that we're full of the Holy Spirit, that we're just simply a tool and instrument in his hand here on this earth, and that's how we live our lives. And okay, God, there's a book by Benny Hinn, Good Morning, Holy Spirit. We get up in the morning and say, Good morning, Holy Spirit. I want to be led by you. I want you to be involved in my life today. Lead people to me. Lead me to them. That's simple. And as we go through our day, we begin to look. Okay, hey, look around. You walk into your office, look around. Who needs someone? Hey, is this person like somebody? And all of a sudden, God's going to give you a specific word to me. You begin to pray. It's that simple. And if we would get Christians not just in America, but in other countries, to have an expectation like they did in the book of Acts, we would truly see revival take place in our nation. Because revival that's going to take place here is not going to happen in some church. Revival that's going to take place is going to happen in the streets and the byways and the highways. It's going to be us as believers rising up to do what God's called us to do. Because nowhere in the Bible where they brought people to church, they went out into the streets and the highways and the byways. We come to church, we get fed, we get built up, we're trained and equipped, and then what do we do? We take what we've been taught out into the streets, out to where people need it. So I'm going to close this morning this way. If you were here and you can relate to what I've been saying, and you've lost your expectation, maybe you used to, when you first got saved, were very excited and sharing your faith with people, and, and you just expected things to happen because that's what the Bible says and that's what the preacher told you. Maybe over time, some disappointment, some hurts. Maybe you're involved in another church and things didn't go well there and you left church and there's just some kind of low keys and stuff. But you say, you know what, it's true. I need to have an expectation. I need my faith led with the reality of the word. And if that's you today and you say, you know what, I want to walk in these expectations. I want to walk in faith. I know what the word of God says, but now it's time to start living it out. What we want you to do is just make your way forward today and make a line across here. Like Pastor Moses did, he's got some bread, he's going to pray. We're just going to pray for you. But I want people that are sincere saying, you know what, I do want that. I want to walk in expectation. I believe that God wants to use me. Maybe you've been down. Like I said, you've been different things have, have robbed you, per se, of your faith. But you say, you know what, today's a new beginning. I want things to change. So if that's you, I just want you to make your way forward. And as you're making your way forward, I'm going to pray over everybody. We're going to have some time of worship. If everybody just stand to your feet.